singing for us. We'll take our Bibles today to Mark chapter number 4. Mark chapter number 4, continuing along in our series. Mark chapter number 4, dive right into the message. And it's good to see you in church today. I had a lot of people tell me, we're going to be gone this today. And so I thought, service is going to be, this doesn't look very empty this morning. And then some of some of you I haven't seen in a while, it's great to see you today, and it's a blessing to have you here with us, and we're going to dive right into the Word of God and get through the message today. And uh, two weeks ago, we started chapter number four, and we looked at the four types of ground. The stony ground, you had the shallow ground, you had the ground with weeds and thorns, and you had the good ground. The seed that was sown is the Word of God. And Jesus expounded to the disciples and to those that after had, that were with him, he expounded on these things. And so he's going even a little deeper now into some thoughts, and he gives us four parables in this passage this morning that continues on from right where he was. You'll notice the next thing that takes place is they get on a boat, and that will be next Sunday if the Lord allows. But for this Sunday, we're going to look at these four parables and how we can apply them to our life. You think back from two weeks ago, we saw the four types of ground, I went through them. The stony ground, the word of God is sown on that ground, and the scripture tells us the birds come and eat, eat it up because it doesn't have a chance to grow. And Jesus explained it even deeper and said that Satan comes and takes that seed and devours it. We saw the second type of ground was the shallow ground, and this is where the seed actually blooms. And so... You think about that, there are many commentators out there that would say, well, the only type of ground of a saved person would be the one on the good ground, but we see that this seed starts to grow. So this would be the shallow ground. This is someone who gets saved, but you've ever met someone who gets going in the Christian life and they're maybe excited about the things of God, things are good, then hard times come and they wither away? This is that type of ground. And so that type of ground we see, and it's shallow, and it's not very deep. You can't get much roots in there. The third type of ground that we saw was the one that fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up. Thorns and weeds, the pressures of this world build up. And it takes away from being able to grow and become what God wants you to become. And then we saw the ground that was on good ground. And we see the fruit that was produced there. And we get to verse 21. And he said unto them, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel? Or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick. Now, you think back in Bible days, they didn't have electricity like us. They had lamps and things, oil lamps. And think this verse makes a lot of sense right here. So if you are if you lit a lamp because it's dark and you need light, are you gonna stick it under your bed? No. Are you gonna put it under a blanket or something? No, you're not gonna do that. You're gonna put it in a spot so it can shine the room up. In those days, they even had so in a cor you put a lamp in a certain spot, it could help brighten up the whole room. If it's dark and you need light, what are you going to do? You turn on the lights, right? I know some of you, that would be profound. I, my parents, sometimes I try to help them. Sometimes my mom will almost fall getting out of bed. And she's like, well, dad's sleeping still. And I don't want to wake him up. I'm like, you're going to wake him up even more if you fall. Turn on the light and get where you need to be because light shows you where everything is. Light's important. So... Jesus said in verse 22, For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was there anything kept secret, but that should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed 
what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath, to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he hath. And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. And when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh great with all herbs, and sheweth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them, as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning, as we look at this passage of Scripture, to apply it to our lives Apply it to our hearts and help us today get what you have from here and to be able to use it in our lives to grow for you. Help us today. We need you. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A parable is to throw something alongside something else. It's an earthly story that Jesus would give with a heavenly meaning behind it. He gives something that they could see before their eyes to help them understand something more spiritual in the long run of things. So we see four metaphors, four parables used in these verses. We see a candle, we see a measure, we see seed, and we see a mustard seed. Those are the four that are used right here. And there's a progression that takes place. So let's think for a minute back where we were two weeks ago. We see that the word of God, that the sower sows. He sows the word of God. That will hit different types of soils. And certain soils it will produce something, and in some soil it will produce nothing. So as a Christian begins his journey in the Lord, what's the next step? Where do you go from there? These parables will help us with that. And then it compares and lets us understand a little bit more about the kingdom of God. You got to understand, in their day, they thought the kingdom of God was going to come. And Jesus was going to get rid of the Roman rule. He was going to set up his kingdom. And he was going to be king then. That's what they thought about the kingdom of God. But Jesus says, no, it starts out as a mustard seed, not as a mighty mountain. See all that this morning. We'll dive into it. But there's a progression that takes place. It begins, number one, today by make sure that you're shining. Now, those of you who like alliteration, this last night as I'm studying for my sermon, I should have changed this to make sure you're glowing. Because glowing would go well with knowing, which goes well with growing and showing. But I didn't think of that soon enough. So you got to make sure you're shining. What do we mean? We see there in verse number 21, and he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be, to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick? 
And the picture here as we look here is of an oil lamp that's designed to light up a room. It would be completely crazy not to use the light of it. You don't light a candle and stick it under the bed and say, oh, it's done. Now, if you need to look under the bed to find something, don't get too close to the fabric there. You might burn the whole bed. That wouldn't be a bright idea. But the whole goal of having light is to let it shine. There are two applications that Jesus is making in this verse, in this first parable. And the main application is that Jesus came into the world as light to dispel the darkness. If you look at that phrase, brought to, in the Greek it reads, is a lamp come into the house. Christ was hidden from many at the beginning, but he's now manifested in the world. That's the main application right here. And that's exactly what John 3.19 tells us. That the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That's the first application, the main application, that Christ, the light of the world, has come. Second application that is made here is that you and I are called to be the light of the world, right? The Lord tells us, and you think about this, we've been placed in Philippians chapter number 2, verse 15, we've been placed in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. The Bible tells in the book of Matthew, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so as we live in this world, our job is to shine the light of Jesus Christ on this dark world. Our job is not to hide our light that we've been given. Our job is to shine that light. You don't hide a light when you're trying to find something, right? This world is in darkness today. We live in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And this is the problem. Most Christians like darkness more than they like the light. We talked about it last week on Sunday night. We've been freed from sin. The old man has been rendered dead according to Romans chapter number 6. Yet you say, why do we sin? Because we like it. That's why we do it. And we should be shining as lights in this world. What this world needs today is Christians that will stand up and shine their light. That's what the world needs to see. We have a lot of people standing up for a lot of things. And yet I see hardly any Christians doing anything. You were not called to blend in with this world. You are called to shine in this world, to shine the light of Jesus Christ, and not to make yourself look good, but so that your Father in heaven can be glorified. Because when people see us living that life and see the light shining us, they're going to be like, they got something I need and I want in my life. Well, see, the difference is Jesus Christ. And so, as we are growing in the Lord, and as we move on in this Christian life, you've got to understand something. We need to be shining. We need to be glowing. When you think about this, and when you look at it, verse 22 says, For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. God, you've got to understand something. Be sure your sin will always find you out. The things you do in secret do come to the light. And the Lord says, and this is what the Lord's going to do, 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse 5, that he will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. 
and then shall every man have praise of God. You see, what is concealed now is going to be revealed later. If you want to keep shining, if you want to keep glowing, it leads to point number two. Don't stop knowing. Don't stop knowing. Don't stop learning in the Christian life. Don't stop hearing God and what he has to say. Continue to hear it and let it work in your life. Look at verse number 24. You've got to understand something. The more you li- get this, this, this might be a foreign concept to you today. Are you ready? The more you listen, the more you learn. That might be why God gave you two ears and only one mouth. Think on it for a minute. The more you listen, the more you know. Look what Jesus said, verse 24. He said to them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath to him shall be given. But he that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he hath. What's the lesson? What's the, what's the application of this parable? It's we get out what we put in. That's what it comes down to. Every time you receive the word of God with eagerness and openness, God will give you more. You go to the word of God with nothing to receive anything from the word of God, you're not going to receive anything from the word of God. But you go with your wheelbarrow ready for God to give you something, God will fill your wheelbarrow up. You come to church this morning thinking you don't need anything, you're not going to leave here with anything. You're not. If you come into church thinking, I need something from God, you will leave with something from God. And sometimes it might not even have been the message, it might have just been another verse that God speaks to your heart and does something on you there. So if if you want to learn from God, you can, and He will give it to you. If you don't, then you don't have to. You'll notice there's a good reminder for us here in this passage, too, that I want to help you with for a minute. It's a good reminder to be careful what we allow to come in our eyes and in our ears. Look at what Jesus says here. Take heed what ye hear. It literally means look at what you hear. How do we look at what we hear? Well, in Luke chapter number 8, verse 18, it's the parallel passage. This is what Jesus said, Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. We're to take heed how we hear. We're supposed to be gatekeepers of our minds and be careful what we let in. That's why the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 5, we're supposed to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. you got to understand something. Just this last week, I was with somebody, and we were talking, spent some time together, and uh, something, that, something that he told me, he told me, he said, Brian, I, uh, I've got some anxiety in my life, and I've never in almost 40, 50 years, however old he was, I've never in any of those years of my life ever had anxiety at all. I'm not an anxious person. That would be my wife, not me. He said, but for the past two weeks, I 
not, there's something there and I can't figure out what it is. So we had several hours we spent together and we talked through the evening and different things. And eventually, he figured it out. Figured it out together. The news was messing him up. He liked watching some of the same people on news that I like to watch at times. But let me help you this morning. Let me, let me help you. If you're supposed to take heed what you hear, you need to be careful what you allow in. Some of your biggest problems and worries and anxieties in your own life is because of the stupid things you allow in your own head. That's my big problem, too. Do you know I haven't watched the news in about four months? Not once. Don't you need to know what's going on in the world? Not if it's going to mess me up. I really don't. Say, do you worry about things? Sure I do. But I don't worry about things I don't know about. Don't you as a pastor need to know what's going on in this world? I need to know what this book says. That's what I need to do. That's what more Christians need to do. The world's going to do its thing, and it's going to get worse before it gets better, okay? It's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Don't you need to know what the governor's doing? No! I don't need to get frustrated every day. I don't. Don't you need to know all these things? I really don't. I really don't. I need to focus on my family. I need to focus on my God. I need to focus on my church. I need to focus on making a difference in this world. That's what I need to focus on. Some of you need to get off your YouTube and off your internet trash that's plugging your mind with garbage that's messing you up from doing what God's called you to do. And if you don't like that, tough. You need to hear it today. Because a lot of that messes up a lot of people. And our focus gets off, and we cannot do what God would have us do because we get so preoccupied by everything else that's going on. Now, if you're a stronger Christian than me, and you can watch the news and be a good Christian at the same time, you go ahead and do it. For me, that's not possible. If you can, maybe you can teach me how to do that. And maybe I can get more, but I don't think I'm going to get more balance in that area, so I just stay away from it. Be careful what you put in. Take heed what you hear. That's a good lesson right there, isn't it? Right there before your eyes. Some people don't like that because they know it's true, but the problem is you put enough of that stuff in your head long enough, it's hard to get, at, get it out. That's why we go down a whole different road. That's why pornography is so wicked and so wrong. You start plugging that into your head, it is hard to get that out once you get that into your head. Be careful what you hear, what you see, what you allow into this mind. And we'll stop there because some of you look like you're convicted. And just deal with it and move forward for God. But when we think about this thought of knowing and learning more, letter A, think about this. If we have a high capacity for knowing and learning, God will pour knowledge into us. If you want to learn from God and from his word, God will pour it into you. It works that way in life. You think about, let's say you have a bunch of employees. 
And these employees, you got one employee who wants to do their very best at the job. And you know if you pour some into them, it's gonna so- they soak it up like a sponge and it's going to help them be a better worker. And then you got those other workers that it doesn't matter what you say or do, they're never going to change. They're never going to do what they're supposed to do. And you all know what that's like. So what happens? Naturally, you will pour into those that want it, right? God will pour into those. If you want to know and learn from him, he will give it to you, and he will pour it to you. And the thing, and whenever God, God always gives more, God give, you, you bring God a shovel, he'll give you more in abundance coming back. But when you come, what, what measure do you bring? Oh, I, I, don't, I really just came to church because I just wanted to see if pastor would be entertaining today. I'm always entertaining. Don't ever lose sight of that. If I'm not to you, it's because you don't have a sense of humor. Just remember that, okay? Or my dry sense of humor is too dry for you, and that could be the case too. But, uh, wherever you want to go with that in between there. But what did you come to church for today? I came to learn something from God. Did you bring something for him to fill? Because if you did, if you expect God to feed you when you come to church, he will. If you come full and not ready to receive anything, you'll leave here with nothing. That's why I've had, I've had, I had someone once tell me, Pastor, I've gotten nothing out of your preaching the past three months. They didn't want anything. They didn't. You know, this word of God being, this is what I do. My job is to sow the word. That's my job. Just to sow it. What you do with what you receive is up to you. You want to have a hard heart and not let it go anywhere? That's fine. You can do that, and it's not going to go anywhere. You can have a shallow heart. You can have good soil, and it will grow, and it will help you. But at the end of the day, I don't help. I don't make you grow. I sow seed. That's my job. I sow seed. As Christians, we're all supposed to sow seed. If you want the seed and you want to grow and you want to learn, you can. If you don't, that's your choice. So if you say, Pastor, I haven't gotten anything in church in a long time, I think the problem is more you than my preaching. Say, Pastor, isn't that kind of bold to say? There is more Bible in my preaching than there's ever been in the history of my pastoring. If you can't get something from the Word of God, that's on you, not me. in here today it all starts with shining and glowing it continues on to don't stop knowing which leads to number three. Oh, i didn't give you letter b did i sorry so just as we said a minute ago with letter a that um <clears throat> if you have a high capacity for knowing god will pour it into you if you have distracted capacity for knowing your knowledge will be diminished you think about, and you study the other parables that Jesus gave. Remember, he gave a t- one talent, two talents, and five talents. The one with five talents went out and doubled it and had ten talents. The one with two talents went and doubled that and got four. The one with one talent went and buried it and ended up having that one talent taken away. And so if you don't want that knowledge from God, he'll give it to someone else. If you want it, he'll give it to you. The choice is yours leads to number three keep growing keep growing the progress here progression we shine we got to continue learning 
we got to keep growing. Look at what it says in verse number 26. And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full ear of the, or full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. Our task and the way the kingdom of God works. Are you ready? The way it works. We are to sow seed. That is our job. As a Christian today, as a pastor, I am to sow seed. As a Christian, in my daily life, as I interact with this world and as I go through my life, I should be sowing seeds of the gospel to everyone that I'm around. We are to sow seeds. That's our job as a Christian. We are sowed, um, we are um, seed sowers is what we are. So as we see here, we see that the Lord says, um, and as a man casts seed to the ground, we see some things that happen. The seed is sown, but you got to understand, the one who sows it can't make growth happen. He doesn't dig up the seed to see if the germination process has started. He may water the seed. He may remove the weeds. But he doesn't touch the seed. We can sow, but we can't make a seed sprout. Bible even says here, no matter if the farmer is sleeping or doing something else, the growth of the seed is not in the sower's hand. It's in God's hand. Look at the rest. It says, look there and the rest of the verse. It says, should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up and grow up. The farmer does his normal routines, and he's not in control what happens with that seed in the ground. Right? So according to verse 27, look at what it says. It says, things grow, but he knoweth not how. The one who sows the seed does not fully understand or get how the seed itself grows. Great lesson for us in there. And you even look at that in in the Greek there. It's a little bit more lively. It says how he does not know. There's no way for him to know how that seed grows. It's a good reminder for us. The seed that we sow is the word of God. The word of God does not need to be manipulated does not need to be managed or marketed. God doesn't need you as a salesman. You are not to be a salesman. You are simply to be a a seed sower. That's all we're supposed to do. I've been with many a Christian out witnessing. And you can talk anybody. Some people are great at talking people into anything. You could talk someone into buying a car that could never run ever again. God doesn't need that with the gospel. It's not your job to convince someone and to get the seed to grow. It's your job to sow the seed. That's our job. We cannot, you got to understand something. Verse 28 says, we see something happens. It says, the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. All by itself. It's automatic. The sower doesn't play a role in the seed growing. You see that there. We, as the people of God, and as sowers of the word, cannot make a seed grow. 
we can't even explain how the seed grows. Just like a seed germinates out of sight, the seed, you think about this, the seed of the gospel begins to grow and we don't ever see it. Do you know, remember Saul? Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Saul was convicted. No one else saw that. What was he convicted of? Stephen sowing some seed. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Stephen was sowing seed of being a good Christian. He was letting his light shine in the midst of a wicked situation. He was just sowing seed. And that seed got to the heart of Saul. No one saw that but Jesus himself because he's the only one who knows what's going on with the seed. When you stop and you think about that this morning, you see verse 29 says, it shows us that sowing eventually leads to harvesting because when the seed takes root, there will be fruit. It says, but when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle because the harvest is come. As a Christian, I know at times it gets wearisome to just be sowing seed. Are they ever going to get it? I've been trying to, to sow seed to this family member for so long, for so, and oh, I just keep sowing, keep sowing. You've got to understand something, and you might get tired of trying to remove weeds out of the way, putting water on it, and you just want something to happen. It might be great for you to memorize Galatians 6, verse number 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Hudson Taylor, a missionary of China, used the word. He said there are three qualifications for a missionary. Are you ready? Patience, patience, and patience. You ever plant seeds? They take a long time. Man, a farmer gets his field ready for corn. He doesn't plant it one day, and the next day he's picking the, the, the corn off and eating it. No, he waits and waits, and eventually you see it. And then a few, a few weeks, months later, it's about knee high. And then it, it takes a long time. And then when we think about that, you've got to understand something. Maybe the great lesson for us to learn here is our part is to sow. God's part is to make it grow. And that growth may be slow, but it will eventually grow. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6 and 7 is a great example of this. Paul said, I have planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. God is the one who helps the seed grow. You can sow the seeds. You can even throw some of the water of the word on the seeds. And keep working at it. But God's the one who grows the seed. Not you and me. Our job is to sow. That's our job. It's been a long time. I think I shared these a long time ago. But I thought it would be a great thing. And they're in your notes there. They're not going to be up on the screen. But eight facts about spiritual growth. I just want you to keep in your mind. And to help you as you grow in the Lord. And things. The first thing is this. It's normal 
not to see immediate results from evangelism. This is what we want. We want to go out soul winning or go out evangelizing, and we want to see 30 people trusted Christ today. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that happened? That would be great. I'd love that if that happened. And there are times where you can go witnessing, and you might find a couple people that are ready for the gospel, and you might have a few that get saved, and praise God for that. But it doesn't always happen that way. There are many times I go sow the seed, and I come back, and I don't know if any seed took root anywhere. And I just go sow the seed again. Say, why do we reach out? Why do we go door to door? Why do we witness? First off, there's not many churches that do anymore. It's still necessary. They went house to house. It is a biblical thing to go house to house. Now, I get it. There are a lot of other ways to do evangelism today. A lot of other ways that they didn't have back in those days. But still, it is good to take it house to house. But you got to understand, you don't always see results from it. We have a vacation Bible school, and we have tons of kids come, and, and a few come to Christ, and we don't hear anything. You do not know the lasting result of what can take place. And that's where you got to understand something. It's normal not to see an immediate result from evangelism. Sometimes you will, but sometimes you don't. you got to remember, you sow the seed. God does the growing, correct? Number two, it's normal for a Christian to grow. It's normal for a Christian to grow. You don't see any 30-year-olds that are still babies being pushed in a stroller anywhere, do you? They, they might want to be pushed in a stroller by their wife or something, but a 30-year-old has grown up. And if there's someone who's 30 years old and they have the mentality of a newborn, there's something wrong, right? So in the Christian life, you've been a Christian for 30 years, you shouldn't be a baby Christian still. Same sort of thing. If you're not growing in the Lord, something's not right. The third lesson would be germination is spontaneous, but growth is not instantaneous. Growth takes time. Sometimes this is what I think we expect with new Christians. I think we expect them to be full-blossom, mature Christians right away. It doesn't work that way. It takes time. Fourth thing is this. Growth is not always easy to measure. You know, growth for someone today could have been just that they came to church today. Where for you, that was a decision you made a long time ago. But growth is sometimes not easy to measure. And it's not your job to measure someone else's growth. Next one, be gracious with those who still need to grow. Weren't you glad people are gracious with you when you needed to grow? Aren't you glad that they're gracious with you when you still mess up even when you have grown some? Mm-hmm. And then instead of worrying about everyone else's growth, be intentional about your own growth. Be intentional about your own growth. Make sure you're growing. I tell you, I've told you before, I'll say it again, there are certain times, a couple times a year, I look back at certain times, certain things and where I'm at to make sure I'm getting better at things than where I was. Um, every year, new year, I look at my life in general. I judge myself based on my character in different areas. How was Brian as a husband in 2020? 
How is Brian as a father in 2020? How is Brian as a pastor in 2020? What can Brian do different in 2021 to grow from where he was in 2020? We should all be constantly doing that and growing and worrying about and growing in the Lord ourselves. And the next, help others grow. But remember, God brings the growth. There's something freeing and liberating when you realize it's not your job to make someone else grow. It's your job to sow the seed. And what they do with the seed is up to them, not you. Help others. But if they don't get it and they aren't, that's not your job to worry about. God's the one who grows them. And there might be things that God has to do to get a hold of them to grow them, but that's God's job to do and not my job. My job is to sow the seed. Next, sow the seed in your children and wait for it to sprout. Sow it in your children. My children from a, from a young age, not yet, not one of them have I went and asked them, do you want to get saved or know Jesus? I've never done that. This is what I do at a young age. Matthew's the only one that I don't think knows the Lord yet. He doesn't even know he's a sinner yet. So, but what do you do? You just sow seed. When we're together, we talk about how Jesus died on the cross because we're sinners. You just sow the seed. You talk about that sin is coming, came into the world because man disobeyed God. You just sow seed. And as you sow the seed, you let God work on the heart. And when they're ready for the Lord, they will be ready for him. You just sow the seed. I, have, I do two things with my children and with you. I guess you're kind of my spiritual children a little bit, right? I pray the first thing is I pray that your heart is open to whatever God has for you, that the soil of your heart is right. Same thing for my children. And then I sow seed. That's what my parents did with me. They taught me the importance of serving in church. They sowed the seed. And it took root in my life. I saw from my dad how to be a good husband to my, how he was to my mom. Took seed, grew up in me. I want to take that seed and show that to my wife and how I act. I want my children to see it. I want those seeds to grow up in them. All I can do is sow the seeds and pray that their hearts are right to the word of God and it will take effect and grow in them, which leads to number four. Make sure that you're showing. When we talk about this showing, the final parable, we see the smallest seed grows into the tallest shrub. Look at verse 30, it says, And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we measure it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which, when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs, and sheweth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. In order to compare how the kingdom of God works, Jesus focused on something very small. Jesus didn't say the kingdom of God is like this huge mountain or it's as mighty as the ocean. No, he says it's like a grain of mustard seed, a seed of mustard seed, mustard seed. We're told that about 750 mustard seeds make up one gram. That's a lot of, they're tiny. 
And there are about 21,000 seeds in an ounce. How many mustard seeds there are in one ounce? Think about this. Jesus entered into this world. He was born in the little town of Bethlehem. He was reared in the backwaters of Galilee in a nasty town where nothing good could ever come from Nazareth. He, um, he put together a team of misfits. He was rejected by his own. He was despised by others. He was crucified like a common criminal, and he laid in a borrowed tomb. Started out very small. But we read the verse here, it says, But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs. The smallest turns into the tallest. Did you know a mustard bush becomes a shrub-like plant that looks like a tree, and some can grow 15 feet high? You take a tiny little seed, and it can grow 15 feet high. When the seed was planted, it looked like nothing much would happen. I think that Caiaphas and the religious leaders of the day thought, Jesus is dead, this is all going to die out, and it's all going to fade away, and there will not be much left of this. There were a few followers that scattered at the cross. Acts 1.15 tells us there were about 120 believers in that upper room. On the day of Pentecost, over 3,000 were added unto them that day. A short time later, another 5,000 got saved and came to Christ at one time. And not many days later, the church of Jerusalem was said to number 50,000. And the growth of the gospel continues to this day. In the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verse 9 and 10 says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, kindreds, and people, and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and upon the Lamb, and what you see is the gospel started with his baby being born in a manger. And you see over time he got a few followers and he had crowds follow him. The crowds left these few followers even kind of forsook him. He raises from the dead. This group begins to grow. It begins to grow and it grows to a number that is greater than any man could ever number. That's the kingdom of God. Start out small and look at what it's turning into. That's what Jesus is talking about right here. You notice that that mustard shrub, it says, and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Commentators differ on what this means, but if you were to ask me, I believe it's a reference to how the gospel goes to all nations and brings comfort and shade and shelter to all those who receive it. If you want to say it's different, you can think whatever you want to think. When people get saved in a society and people get turned to the Lord, light comes. We look at this passage of Scripture, man, as a Christian, let your light shine. Let people see your light. Don't stop learning. Don't stop knowing. Keep learning. 
When you come to church, when you do your daily Bible reading, come ready to learn something from God. Or come not ready to receive. And if you're not ready to receive, you're not going to. You know, you could every, we're going through our Bible reading in the year. You could sit there every day and go through four chapters and be like, here we go again. So and so did this. And you do that and you'll get nothing out of it. If you go to it trying to get something from it, guess what? You will. Keep growing. As a Christian, let's sow the seeds. Let's, uh, I mentioned last service, I'll mention it here. I just ordered 5,000 door hangers. And our goal is to get those passed out over the summer and to get more of a gospel notice in our area. Let's sow the seed. Let's be faithful to sow the seed. We don't need to worry about the results. The results are in his hands. We just sow the seed. Vacation Bible school is coming. We sow the seed. He grows it. We just sow the seed. Let's do what he's called us to do. And then what happens is things start small, but as it continues, it grows and grows. And then everyone around can